0: Hey there, listeners of Flyover Country, bringing you guys another special episode this week. As we're trying to cover uh, as much as we can on the GOP primary debates and town halls, Scott has been on the CNN set for the last few. So, today, as we did last week, bringing you Scott's thoughts and panels uh, from last night's two town halls with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. A few hours, both previewing and then reflecting on the uh, two town halls so good content good stuff for you guys today for a special release so without further ado we'll jump right into it here is scott on a few cnn panels throughout the night talking haley and desantis here we go
1: attention passengers we ask that you please fasten your seat belts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments fly over country with scott jennings is prepared for takeoff
2: Joining me now are CNN political commentators Alyssa Farah Griffin, David Axrod, Scott Jennings, and Van Jones. Alyssa, um, I mean, so much is sake tonight. How big of a problem could Nikki Haley's comments actually be?
1: Well, listen, she's actually not wrong. As the saying goes, Iowa picks corn and New Hampshire picks presidents. It hasn't been since 2000 that the Republican candidate who won Iowa went on to win the presidency with George W. Bush. So in that regard, uh, she's correct. You definitely don't want to insult your voters right ahead of it. But she knows she's always been playing for number two in Iowa. She's playing for number one in New Hampshire. And tonight, I would argue, the 11 days ahead is make or break for Ron DeSantis. There's not a path for him if he doesn't overperform expectations in Iowa. He's
2: Overperform expectations?
1: I would argue it's hard for him to stay in the race, even if he comes in a distant number two to Donald Trump. I think he's got to beat Nikki Haley, have a close margin to Donald Trump, and even so, the money, the resources, and the momentum is not there in New Hampshire. He's consistently third, if not fourth, place behind Chris Christie. So, unless he beats Donald Trump in Iowa, I expect the DeSantis campaign could be winding down soon. Do you
3: think that's true, Tim? No. I-, I think that, uh... I don't think he's going to beat Donald Trump. I don't think anybody's going to beat Donald Trump. I mean, what's interesting is that he's looming large over this, but nobody will address him. He's the, he's the person no one will address because he's so far ahead and they don't want to antagonize his voters. But I think DeSantis has to have a strong second uh, to keep going. And uh, But let me just say one thing on the Haley comment. Uh, back in 2004 uh, Howard Dean was buzzing along in the Iowa caucuses and a tape surfaced of him saying that the Iowa caucuses were a waste of time. And that was the beginning of the end of Howard Dean. Iowans do not, as Jeff mentioned, like to see their caucuses denigrated. They, there's this, there is this battle between Iowa and New Hampshire. So what she said was a great line for January 16th, <laughs> but she just got ahead of herself there. And I think it actually is not helpful. Mm the strategic interplay among
4: the campaigns and how they're setting expectations and how they're interfacing with each other is kind of fascinating. In Iowa, Trump is not addressing any of these candidates. In fact, I think their ad traffic right now is, is uh, him contrasting his economic record against Joe Biden. But if you go over to New Hampshire, yeah. uh, to Alyssa's point, uh, they're now attacking Nikki Haley on the air on the issue of immigration. They think that issue is going to put a lid on the surge that she has been seeing in New Hampshire. And I don't think the Trump people really agree that she has gotten as close uh, as we've seen her uh, in some of the public polls, but obviously they're not taking any chances. And I, uh, on DeSantis, you know, 12 is the number for Trump. Anything north of 12 is a historic victory, right? You get below that, you get down into the single digits. For Trump, that meant you underperformed expectations. And if it's DeSantis in second place, you can maybe try to play the resurrection narrative and keep it going.
3: And I think the point... I'm sorry, Van. I think the point uh, that they're worried about complacency uh, has some reality to it. When you're when you're being told over and over again that this guy has a commanding lead, there is less of a sense of urgency about coming out. Well, up. the DeSantis people believe
4: their supporters are proven caucus-goers, right. far more likely to show up, they're and that the up. Trump people are depending on a higher turnout of less frequent or new voters. And so the DeSantis people see some hope in that.
0: It takes takes more commitment to show up at at a caucus and sit there and go through all that stuff as opposed to just showing up to to vote. Look, I think uh, Nikki Haley is, uh, you got to peak at the right time, and she's doing that. DeSantis peaked way too early, and he's been sinking ever since. She's peaking at the right time, but she's making these gaffes at the wrong time. (laughs) She just keeps saying dumb stuff just when people are trying to fall in love with her. So, you know, I think that if she could just manage to just, you know, stay where she is and keep rising, um, I've been very, very surprised at how strongly uh, she's coming across for Democrats. I'm hearing a lot of Democrats saying positive things about Nikki Haley in ways they don't say positive things about other Republicans. She could be a real threat to a Biden if she could get past Donald Trump, but she's got to get her foot out of her mouth so she can at least have a but chance to be number two. But you're saying she's making
3: gaffes just at the time that she's rising. Yes. The reason, uh, gaffes always come when you start getting a lot of attention. That's mm. part of the test of running for president. There's more pressure, the better you do. Mm -hmm. She's breaking late, and so she's getting the attention late, and she's stumbled a bit uh, several times now. So, you know, we'll see how she bears up. I I hope the Iowans are are forgiving of her, but if not, uh, she's still got New Hampshire.
0: Look, she made a joke. DeSantis has become a joke. He is out of money. Uh, He's desperate. Uh, He doesn't, you, you can't find any way or any place where a poll that he's doing better today than he was yesterday.
1: Well, and it's, I, if, no anyway, um, I think that there's a lot of Republicans right now who fear a repeat of 2016 where the field doesn't consolidate when it needs to. There's been a lot of pressure around Chris, Kiss, Chris Christie, who's had about 10% in New Hampshire, to endorse someone or drop out of the race and just allow that sort of alternate to Trump vote to split. I think that momentum's only going to increase following Iowa um, because at the end of the day, there are a lot of Americans who want something other than Trump. We know six in ten Americans don't want a Trump-versus-Biden rematch. But when you have the field split between three candidates, it's really hard for anyone to overtake you, the giant in the you room. You say
3: six in ten Americans, but you don't say six in ten Republicans. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. I mean, he has a 50-point lead in national polls.
4: Rapid consolidation, though, doesn't all help Haley. I mean, if DeSantis were to yeah. disappoint and drop out, a mm-hmm. large number of his people moving Trump. forward go to go Trump. Trump. And I'll tell you, we, you know... Trump can pull Ramaswamy's chain anytime he feels like it, and there's, a, there's some percentages there, uh, and I suspect he, he will do that at some point. So I agree that Christie is, is an anvil around uh, uh, Haley in New Hampshire, but uh, some other, other consolidation mm-hmm. will help Trump as well.
2: Trump. We're going to take a quick break. More to discuss about tonight's town halls, including how the candidates tackled today's school shooting in Perry, Iowa, where a sixth grader was murdered, five others wounded not far from Des Moines, and tonight's event. Tonight's scene in town halls take place less than an hour's drive from that shooting in Perry, Iowa that we told you about at the top of the hour. One sixth grader was murdered, four students, and one school administrator were wounded. This is how Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have previously addressed attempts to curb gun violence.
5: You know, everybody wants to say, oh, but why can't you get rid of, let's get rid of AR-15s. The reality is, even if you did that, it might make you feel good today. There's going to be another shooting next week we need to focus on what really matters mental health is the cancer That no one is talking about.
6: My approach to firearms is I'm going to stand rock solid behind our Second Amendment rights, our constitutional freedoms, and I will focus the attention of law enforcement on individuals, convicted felons, people who are mentally ill or dangerous to society. The way to keep our community safe is obviously you got to work with law enforcement, not against law enforcement, and you need to identify those individuals who should not have access. I can't imagine anything changing on their lawns tonight?
1: Not fundamentally. I imagine the law for condolences and sympathies because this did rock the Iowa community. And I think that it's a moment to show humanity and just you know, kind of have a solemn presence on this. I do think that, especially as a pivot toward the general might eventually come for one of these candidates, kind of getting around one of the 80% issues, like supporting red flag laws, is a good place to be. I think supporting some level of background checks is a place you could ultimately see them coming out. But I don't expect they're going to have a policy shift
0: tonight. That's the crazy thing. Even after the massacre in our own state at Mother Emanuel, uh, Nikki Haley comes out, says she's against uh, red flag laws, against expanding background checks. I mean, in one of the worst shootings, a shooting that really changed the trajectory of her career, uh, where she did a lot of things right, she wouldn't even go for expanded background checks then.
3: Well, I don't think you're going to get an evolution tonight. I think if they should have held this in a dance hall, because I think you're going to see a lot of dancing mm. uh, around this issue. DeSantis was on with Caitlyn uh, some, uh, some weeks ago, and she pressed him on this red flaw uh, red, red flag law, and he was uh, insistent that there's no evidence that that would be helpful, though they have it in his own state. She asked, well, why don't you repeal it? Well, it was passed by a Republican legislature. They don't have much enthusiasm for that.
4: But for her, you know, the audience, obviously, they're in Iowa, and she wants to uh, beat expectations in Iowa. The people of Iowa love the Second Amendment, of course. But she's also talking to these independents in New Hampshire. And you wonder if there's, like, a little gear in the back of her mind thinking... You know, do I need to do I need to say yeah. something to this group because well, so much of her strategy is banking on uh, getting some of these, you know, independent voters to come into a Republican. party. I
3: agree with that, Scott. But the the uh, you know the vulnerability that's emerging now is her that little gear in the back of her head and it adjusting ever so slightly according to her political needs. And now she's getting called on it. So she's got to be very careful about this because everybody knows the record that Van uh, cites here and everything she said during this campaign.
1: Well, and I think she's also certainly trying to make inroads with women. That's a core demographic that I think she has an advantage with. And I think that the issue of gun violence and the fear of your kids going to school and the fact that they might be a victim of school shooting resonates so heavily with the suburban moms that we talk about. I wonder if that might be something that she realizes to reach what could be a core constituency. There may need to be some movement beyond just addressing the mental health concerns. Do you
0: expect... I was going to say one of the things that I think Nikki Haley has done a good job on. We look at something like abortion. She has a deft touch. She, she's able to sort of convey some empathy, even while she's taking, you know, frankly, a fairly uh, conservative position. Often, uh, tonight would be a good chance for her to do that. Uh, when this comes up, uh, can she sh- can she show that she can be that empathizer in chief? Even if she's firm on her policy positions. That's a way for her to get a win out of it. Uh, obviously, DeSantis is not good at that kind of thing, so that could be a, a way to show. some uh, I think separation. she's doing
3: pretty well among uh, suburban voters around the Des Moines area and so on this happened 40 miles outside of mm. uh Des Moines the question is can she press beyond that into mm. some of these other areas and their movement on this issue may not be as well received
4: yeah a, a, a pl- plugged in Republican in Iowa told me tonight Haley the Haley movement in Iowa is real in the metros but mm-hmm. can you get out into the rural areas and of course that's where DeSantis is baking on this evangelical sort of pastor network mm. that propelled Ted Cruz before so how she handles uh some of the issues
2: that they're sensitive to out in the out in the rural parts. Uh, they've could be sp- they've spent Hailing DeSantis. I think they've spent about ten million dollars in attack ads <laughs> against <laughs> on each, on each other. other. I think it's like one point five million attacking the former president. Yeah, that, that, that's it. Um, yeah. Does that make sense to
3: you? <laughs> well, it makes sense in that one of them is trying to pass the other to get to the next round and, and to challenge Trump. But, again, I think this is a reflection of Trump's power within the party right now because there is a cost, they feel, to going frontally after him. So they'll go after each other's jugulars and they go after his capillary, right? (laughs) They're not... they're not gonna go full frontal on Trump because they want to, uh, they want to create a path for at least people who are open to them and him to come their way. And there's, you know, he has made himself a sympathetic figure to Republican voters. So, you know, look at Chris Christie. I mean, he's attacking Trump frontally, and he's the least popular candidate in the Republican field.
0: I think, you know, you'd say that, you know, Trump has made himself sympathetic. I wonder if you had a world where he wasn't being indicted, you know, over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. and he might, in in that world, felt he had to walk out on some of these stages and actually debate somebody and maybe you're in a different in a different world. I do think that if you look back, his uh, Trump was and DeSantis were very close in the poll, and then every indictment, you yeah. see him pulling away, Without pulling question. away, pulling away. Well, and it happened at
4: the same time. DeSantis chose to wait. I mean, yeah. DeSantis, we sat out here on election yeah. night, and DeSantis <laughs> was riding high, and in that immediate aftermath, it looked like people were ready to dump Trump and go in a different direction, and then they chose to wait, and he waits several months, and in that intervening period. Everything Trump that happened also pounded
3: him with tens of millions of
4: he dollars did. of negative well, He's been attacked more than Donald Trump and Joe Biden combined DeSantis, on, DeSantis has. Well, and campaign.
1: keep in mind, too, we, many of us were here for the night that Trump relaunched his campaign, and it was, I mean, it was quiet. You couldn't find a prominent Republican inside. I think Matt Gates was probably the biggest name <laughs> represented there. Fast forward, you know, just over a year, he has the endorsement of all the House Republican leadership. He's picking up senatorial endorsements. He's picking up endorsements from governors. He's got Donald, vanilla ice. <laughs> he's got vanilla ice like Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> he has really taken advantage of these indictments, turned it on its head, used the martyr complex, and it's somehow breaking through. But I don't give Trump tremendous credit. It's not that he's some remarkable salesman in this regard. Those running against him didn't decide to defend to to decide with him on the indictments, to actually say it was a witch hunt. They didn't litigate the case of why those were legitimate and the courts needed to play out. I
3: think it's interesting that he's chosen to spend the day before the Iowa caucuses in the hearing in Washington over whether he has immunity or not. And I I really do feel he's going to spend a lot of this campaign campaigning from courthouse steps because of what Vance said.
4: You can't discount the, the fact, though, that so much of this was a strategic argument. He can't win... Maybe it's because of the legal issues. Maybe it's because of something else. Well, what's happened? All these national polls have come out showing Trump winning, winning in swing states, beating Joe Biden nationally. And so if you're arguing, and they're still making it today, only, you know, Trump's going to lose. Trump's going to lose. Well, the Republican voters don't believe that. They, right. they think vindication's at hand.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank everybody. The back-to-back scene town halls with Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Start now.
7: And tonight, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley facing some tough questions from those very voters. Questions on hot-button issues like the border, the economy, the war in Ukraine, abortion, and both are taking their shots at the candidate you didn't see. I'm talking about frontrunner Donald J. Trump. We're digging into all of it over the next two hours together. So stay with us. We're going to start right here in New York with our great panel on set with me here. Scott Jennings, you're in the hot seat. I want to ask you, not just... Uh, what your takeaways were, but what do you think the strengths were of each of these candidates, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis?
4: Well, I thought DeSantis delivered one of the best performances I've seen him give in the entire campaign. I think he's really improved over the last several weeks, made no mistakes. It was center-cut conservative content on immigration and uh, other issues, so I thought he had an incredibly strong night. I think on Nikki Haley, where she always shines, head and shoulders above everyone, in my opinion, is on foreign policy she knocked that topic out of the park. I think for people who have been arguing that they're not hitting Donald Trump hard enough, <laughs> they put that to bed tonight yeah. because I thought both DeSantis and Haley came and, and whacked Donald Trump pretty hard on a number of topics. What I was most surprised at was that they didn't really whack each other. Yeah, yeah that's a good point.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it, uh, DeSantis in particular, it was like, where's this guy been? Uh, it, it, you know, usually he's, he's cold toward uh, uh, the audience and kind of warm toward Donald Trump in this weird way. It was reversed this time. He was warm with the audience and he was cold blooded going after Donald Trump. I'm like, where has this guy been? If this guy had been around for the past couple of months, he might have done something different. Uh, I thought he was, I, I could not understand why anybody thought that the Ron DeSantis we saw in these debates would have ever been anything. Tonight, you understand what the potential was, though I think it's largely been wasted. And Nikki Haley was Nikki Haley. She's always great.
1: Listen, I, I, Nikki Haley is generally always the smartest person in the room, save for CNN's Erin Burnett, who is there with her. Um, she has a command of the facts, and she always is able to work her biographical experience to show her leadership. When I was at the UN, I was in Gaza. When I was governor, I did X, Y, and Z. She shows that she looks presidential when she talks about serious policy. No, you know, it, it, I would say performance wise, it probably wasn't her strongest night, but she always wins on the substance. And Ukraine is going to be a very key issue in this GOP primary. There's a very definitive split. Donald Trump will not continue aid to Ukraine. He is not going to give aid to Zelensky's government. Ron DeSantis gave kind of a vague answer when Caitlin pushed him on it. Nikki Haley was very definitive. She will continue to support Ukraine. On DeSantis, I think it was probably one of his strongest performances. He really honed in on an argument that I think will resonate with voters against Donald Trump, which is to say, He made these promises for four years and didn't do them. What I say you could take to the bank and I will do. People will listen to that and I think it will break through.
3: Yeah, you know, one thing that I think is clear is that uh, campaigning in 99 counties and uh, from morning till night does have an effect. And I think what you saw in DeSantis' is growth as a performer, uh, he was not a good performer at the beginning of the campaign, much, much better tonight. And if there are late deciding uh, caucus uh, attendees in Iowa, this is a timely uh, time for it. I, I don't know, when you said he was cold-blooded and going after uh, Trump, he was cool-blooded. I, I <laughs> <laughs> there were, but, there were but, some but, topics <laughs> that he would not address, nor would Haley, for that matter. But uh, And she was, as we've come to expect, I mean, she's, she's very, very... Um, Orderly in her presentation, she always has three or four points. This is what I would do: one, two, three, four, Uh, and it uh, and it uh, it projects a kind of command that has uh, helped her in the debates, and I think it helped her Uh, tonight. We'll get to some of the uh, some of the so
7: cold blooded, cold blooded, or cool blooded. Hold on, let's 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 play it. Let's roll the tape. Beat him up on
0: abortion. Beat him up on immigration. Go ahead, Van. Okay, I, was, I was just saying, like I, I was surprised. He basically called him a flip flopper on abortion. Said he was weak and ineffective on immigration. I was like, this, yeah, no. this, this was tough stuff. Now. To, to your point, he could have gone, gone harder. But before, no, no, he no, was no, hugged up no, like no, a teddy bear no, no. every time.
3: My, my point is this yes, he was on those issues. He's not pro, of course, he's not pro life. I mean, he took shots that he had, has never taken before. And it's clear that they recognize that they need to get some of these Trump oriented voters to swing back his way yeah. uh, in this race. My, my point is just whenever he was asked about Trump's conduct uh, relative to January 6th or some of the other issues sure. that have gotten him into legal issues, he, 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 uh, he, he, he took a long the, way around well, and not. He, to answered. Dan's
1: point, though, calling a fellow Republican not pro-life in Iowa—that's about the meanest thing you could <laughs> say. I would expect the Trump campaign will respond to that very, very quickly. He
4: did, though, take the issue of January 6. If you listen carefully to what he said about the strategic argument about why we should nominate someone other than Trump, he effectively said that January 6 is going to make it hard. For the country to re-elect Donald Trump as president, he, and so if you if you really wanted to parse it out, he he went there on that topic. He didn't say it as blatantly as as uh, perhaps some uh, people who care about that issue a lot want him to. But the argument was clear: uh, the Democrats are going to wrap this around Donald Trump's neck, and it will prevent him from being president.
3: I, I thought it was interesting the way he did it, though. He said, "You know, you've going to you have this left wing Democratic jury, twelve jurors. <laughs> you know," and so he basically. And at once embraced the idea that Trump was being persecuted and at the same time said, but this is a liability. Mm. Uh, when he was asked about a second Trump term, he said, uh, uh, well, you saw what happened in the midterm elections. We did terribly. It's going to be bad for Republicans. But he never said what the second term would be like in terms of the lives of the American and,
7: well, people. And, and on Nikki Haley, I mean, she she actually went down the same road on Trump, basically saying he comes with all this baggage. He's too emotional. It's going to be too difficult for him to govern without coming with all this other stuff that's not so great. Mm-hmm. They're both working in the same lane here.
1: They are working in the same lane and they're still towing a line. But I did think an interesting line from Nikki Haley was when she said, I used to tell Donald Trump, you are your own worst enemy. Remind people. She was a presidential advisor to him as UN ambassador, somebody that he handpicked to be in that role and who did speak truth to him about his own actions or his shortcomings. I thought that was a powerful moment that will resonate with some folks. But again, there is a limit to how far there any, either of these two are going to go in actually criticizing Donald Trump. And I think today was the furthest we've seen them go. All right,
7: let's, let's listen to what you're just talking about
5: there. I personally think President Trump was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies, but the reality is, rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. And we all know that's true. Chaos follows him. And we can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. Four more years of chaos, that's probably the
7: toughest I've heard her describe the Trump era.
0: Chaos candidate, and, and uh, if, if you keep going on, she talks about uh, no more drama, he's getting in his feelings. I mean, this was, a, I mean, this was she actually, actually I thing. Mean, she said, no more drama, she's getting she's, in your
3: feelings. She, she, has been, she has been saying this uh, yeah. uh, right along. You know, one yeah. of the interesting things, just getting back to DeSantis for a second, is, uh, One of his, you know, he said we need uh, a change agent, essentially. And the wise, I think, they were almost those words. Uh, And uh, you have to wonder whether people really look at these guys and say, "Yeah, he's a change agent." Trump isn't. He's trying to make a difficult argument, which is, I can deliver on the things that Trump promised. But honestly, if you did a poll and you asked people who is more likely to bring about change, DeSantis or Trump, my guess is Trump would win that going away, because he's seen as a wrecking ball.
7: Laura, uh, uh, um, Scott, did you get the sense tonight that Nikki Haley is in the driver's seat here for that race to be the the next competitor to Donald Trump?
4: Well, I I came into the night thinking that she had the momentum, which is why I was thinking that Ron DeSantis was going to potentially go after her and sort of try to reel that in. But his failure to acknowledge her really in, in any meaningful way uh makes me wonder uh, uh, now. You do talk to people in Iowa. They do say the Haley momentum out there is as real in the metro areas in Iowa as it seems to be in New Hampshire. There's still some question about what she's going to be able to do in the rural areas. But if you didn't know anything, if you had not had any history on this race and you just watched this tonight, I believe most Republicans would come away from tonight saying, man, Ron DeSantis seems like he is straight out of central casting for what Republicans say They want their government leaders to do aggressive, no apologies, take action, keep your promises, uh, go there on every topic. Um, So if you took if you took everything else out of it, uh, I I think he would have won the night. But the reality is you can't take everything else out of it. She has been moving. Everybody in both states acknowledges she's the one moving right now. And DeSantis has been stuck in the mud. She's
7: had some some missteps. Oh, oh,
4: well, she had one moment tonight, by the way, getting asked about saying that Iowa voters need to be corrected. By New Hampshire voters, and I thought DeSantis's Iowa knowledge and his yes. clear, uh, you know, having spent a lot of time there, shown through. And I, I do think that was a mistake. Well, he we started right think...
3: from the beginning by bringing a a Caitlin Clark, yeah, right. I dig in. Iowa State jersey, yeah, to uh, or Iowa jersey, I should say to. Uh, Uh, to It's kind of an inside joke
7: of an inside (laughs) joke.
3: Yeah, but not an inside (laughs) joke in Iowa because you're tampering with an icon there when you you misstated it. And it goes to this issue of authenticity and and phoniness. But I have a question for all you guys, if I can, (laughs) Uh, which (laughs) is Alyssa is uh, absolutely right that um, the one place where Haley really went after DeSantis was on uh, on Ukraine. Mm. But every poll I see suggests that that is not necessarily a winning position with Republicans. And so I'm wondering how you think that actually nets out. Because he, who once was a hawk in Congress, has now backed away from all that and gave a very, as, as you said, kind of a mealy-mouthed answer on what he would do relative to Ukraine, but landed on, basically, I'm getting out. And Alyssa, you've always read that
7: as one of her strengths. But as David points out, that's not something necessarily that a lot of Republicans agree with. And yet Nikki Haley has been, relatively speaking, thriving in this primary well, so and,
1: far. I, and I think she, it's an area where she's showing leadership and she's willing to break with where the base is. The base is unequivocally more on the DeSantis-Trump side. They don't want to see you know, what they describe as sort of a blank check for Ukraine. Of course, it's weaponry, not money that we're sending. Uh, but she tries to take a leadership position of educating on why this matters, why there's implications. And she used the phrase, this is about preventing war. Polling actually bears out that the majority of Americans support standing with Ukraine, and that, is, that does reflect the majority of Republicans as well. So while I think with the base in a primary, the more vocal crowd may be against more support for Ukraine, I think the broader Republican electorate is closer to where Nikki Haley is. Her, well, it's, it's, just a,
4: it's just a question of the traditional Republican hawkish foreign policy view. She represents a pre-Trump Republican right. view on foreign policy. DeSantis and Trump, of course, reflect the more current era. And that's really always been the question about this primary how many Republicans fall on each side of that line? I think it's probably on the on the Trump era, uh, but we'll find out. We'll
5: see. Everyone stand by for us, Laura. No one's ever said that I am unwilling to offend. I offend plenty of people because I call people out when they do something wrong. Um, what I will tell you is Chris Christie is from New Jersey. I should have said slavery right off the bat. But if you grow up in South Carolina, literally in second and third grade you learn about slavery you grow up and you have you know i had black friends growing up it is a very talked about thing we have a big history in south carolina when it comes to you know slavery when it comes to all the things that happened with the civil war all that i was over i was thinking past slavery and talking about the lesson that we would learn going forward i shouldn't have done that i should have said slavery but in In my mind, that's a given that everybody associates the Civil War with slavery.
7: I had black friends growing up. It's already been sent out, I should note, by the DeSantis uh, allies, DeSantis campaign online.
0: Uh, What did you make of her attempt to wrap that up, clean that up? She was cleaning it up with a dirty rag. I mean, it wasn't a clean up at all. Um, It's painful, I don't get it. Um, I, I think it says something about her. I think it says something about the Republican base. I think it's it, it, this, isn't, this should not be hard uh, for a woman of color uh, in this day and age to talk with real power and force about how awful slavery was and how important it is for us as a country to get past it and to deal with it and to confront it so we can be better, as she has done as a governor. I think it says something about the Republican base that she's so afraid that there's some big number of people that can't hear that That she's going to tiptoe through every tulip she can find and wrap herself around the axle avoiding saying stuff that's true i I found it painful uh not i mean not personally painful but it's awkward to watch a grown woman not be able to say what any kindergarten teacher could say any third grade teacher could say because there's either something off about her or about this party that will not be able to speak the truth well the (laughs)
3: shocking thing was that this was not a surprise Okay, this not story's been taking around. Right, yeah. The yeah. fact she knew this 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 question was coming, she must have thought about it, and yet she still couldn't. And I think it's what you say because she did not want to offend the Republican base by leaning into. And what did uh, say about the Republican slavery? base? Well, but,
0: but
7: I, I think we I, should I ask just, Scott. I, I, I want to know what you think. about this. Is it? it the Republican base or is oh, it a Nikki Haley? I it? think
4: I think this is a Nikki Haley issue. I think she messed up on the first thing. Immediately recognized that she messed up and hasn't learned the critical issue of uh, cleaning things up which is sometimes less is more you can just (laughs) say man Mm -hmm. i messed up of course i should have said slavery and i feel very strongly about this and oh by the way it was the republican party and a republican Mm -hmm. president that ended slavery in this country and and you you really lean into just saying i messed up and here's why i'm so proud to be a republican Mm -hmm. but in her cleanup afterwards and even tonight she says, "Oh, I, I should have said slavery. Of course, it's slavery, but then you just get more, and it unspools, and it unspools." And I, I have, think it has nothing to do with the Republican base. I just think it has to do with someone who can't recognize that. Look, less is more here. Take the L and move on. Yeah, when when you, no. I'm sorry. When
1: you don't have the words on an issue this important, she should have left it as simple as, "Of course, it was yeah. about slavery, and I was wrong." And I felt like she, she got where she wanted to be at the end of the answer, at the end of it, talking about. Bringing down the Confederate flag and how important that was to bring these coalitions together and saying you don't have to stand with me, but I'm going to do it. But everything leading up to that felt like she felt lost in it. She did herself no favors, and she kind of put herself back where she was at the beginning of this issue. My 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 fear is this: is I think that in the Trump era of Republican politics, you may disagree, Scott. um, Trump started to speak to a part of the Republican electorate that better angels before him didn't speak to. John McCain refused to try to reach out to some of the the David Dukes of the world, those who might, you know, lean toward the white supremacy side of things. It's now seen as a core constituency that folks need to turn out. Now, I'm not accusing Nikki Haley of trying to do that, but I do feel like there's this fear of alienating someone who might come out for you. And I think we need to get back to a place where you say, I don't even want this." It was
7: notable to me that Chip Roy, when we were just
3: speaking to him, he brought this up Mm -hmm. about Nikki Haley as a line of attack. Because the issue is not ultimately slavery the issue is uh, her, and this is, you know, you you mentioned the Confederate flag. She campaigned twice against taking the Confederate flag down when she ran for governor. Uh, ultimately, there was this tragedy and there was a huge movement in the state to take the flag down, and then she saw which way it was going. And I'm not saying that at, in her heart she didn't believe that's what should be done, but I'm saying she didn't say it when she was running for office. She is someone who does a lot of calculating about where the perfect political answer is at any given moment and in a presidential race that catches up with you You can't you can't fake it. I mean this I said a long time ago presidential races are MRIs for the soul And I think this is her vulnerability not any particular issue But the 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 character uh, dimensions of it. You you had to coach Obama through a lot of this stuff You
0: know when you have a a person of color on the national stage there's a tightrope element there Um, is she being poorly coached? I mean,
3: how, how do you see Listen this? Now, it- I think she's a very strong person. I don't think she, if, if, if anything, I think she's probably not someone who is coached very much. I think she makes a lot of her own uh, judgments. Yeah. So I don't think this is a matter of her yeah. being missed. This is, this is her. Now, there may be, it, additionally, baggage that comes along with having been a, a, the, the daughter of immigrants, an immigrant, uh, a, uh, an Indian American woman who saw a lot of, of, of uh, racial... Uh, politics in in her state and has managed to navigate through it. And there are muscle memories that may take her to this place. Mm. But, um, you know, she's made a lot of mistakes in the last two weeks, some large, some small, uh, that all go to one thing, which is authenticity. Uh, And I think that's something that she needs to be aware of.
6: If you're abiding by the Constitution, none of that is going to matter at that point. Um, So follow the law, follow the Constitution. This stuff gets into the weeds legally about what can happen to a president when they leave office based on conduct that may or may not have been official. It's not for me to adjudicate that. I can just tell you this. uh, If you nominate me, I'll get elected, I'll serve and we won't even be discussing these issues. We'll be discussing your issues. You're not going to be uh, have to worry about my conduct. I'll conduct myself in a way you can be proud of. I'll conduct myself in a way you can tell your kids, you know, that's somebody that you should emulate and we will have success as a result of that.
7: That was, believe it or not, an answer to a question about whether presidents have absolute immunity. He didn't answer it, but he got a lot of praise for that last part of the answer, which was A dig at Trump.
1: Well, Ron DeSantis was pretty masterful tonight at answering the questions he wanted to and not even directly answering the questions. He dodged this and another. But that was one of his strongest moments, was the juxtaposition on character and conduct. Your kids can be proud of me in office. It's not going to be chaos. You're not going to have to deal with these issues. That DeSantis, I think we were all scratching our heads. Where was he six months ago? Where was he a year ago? Because it's the cleanest juxtaposition and next generational kind of leadership option you want to offer to Donald Trump. But it feels a little too late. Who is this
7: DeSantis now? It's not woke DeSantis. No. It's it's the DeSantis who is just kind of a, as as to quote Scott Jennings, center cut Republican. Mm-hmm. Nothing's entirely special about it. Just not Trump in all the ways that that I, I think he was arguing there. Trump is toxic.
3: Yeah. Although I still think he is uh, positioning himself as the alternative to Trump for people who like trump's policies and so on and i uh you know i think tonight's message was uh i'll i'll be a reliable trump i'll deliver on the things that he promised i mean that was the essence of what he was saying tonight but you know one of the problems here is he's been wandering around for six or eight months trying to figure out what the right message is Mm -hmm. and you know at some point you have to know why you're running who you are and you have to deliver that on a on a regular Basis, not you know, just well. Uh, it's ten days out. Let me try this. Uh, it's not a. It's not that effective.
0: It felt, it felt like that uh, old popcorn kernel finally popped, and like here's like <laughs> the
3: this is last actually, one, the last the little kernel
0: finally popped, like ten days before. And like here's somebody actually, has, has something interesting to say. But I think this character thing does matter. Um, and he, he also talked about some stuff that I haven't heard him talk about before. Uh, he talked about mental health in a way that I thought was actually effective. He talked about family farmers in a way that was effective. He was actually relatable. I think he, something about him on the debate stage, he just seemed like a cold, weird robot dude. That wasn't him tonight, and I thought it worked for him. To your question,
4: um, I, I think he has been an improving candidate for the last few months. I think the the early stages of the campaign, Trump... Uh, and other elements of our political affairs in this country piling on him. It, it did stunt him at the beginning, but it's obvious he found the correct gear. The question is, is it, is it just too late to make anything of it? And in his defense, and in defense of all the other candidates, they've all been searching for a way to deal with Donald Trump, who has been getting regular doses of rocket fuel from these engagements with the legal system. Yeah. You know, I mean even DeSantis has admitted it in some interviews. You know, every time this guy gets indicted or every time something happens, the Republicans rally around him and none of the campaigns have ever figured out a way to deal with it in a way that also advantages them. I mean, <laughs> most of this campaign has been all of Donald Trump's opponents defending Donald Trump. Now we <laughs> yeah. saw that change tonight. They went after him tonight, mostly on policy. DeSantis did hit him on January 6th and the electability issue a little bit. But nobody ever solved this algebra problem, and and I'm I'm not sure they're going to.
7: When we see Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley on the debate stage next week, next to each other, this was almost like a proxy debate. They were on separate stages. We got to see them each perform. When they are together, Mm. what do each of them need to do in order to come out on top?
1: This is going to be very interesting because it's finally a head-to-head face-off, but of course, the number one, Donald Trump, is not there. So I'll be curious how much they just direct their fire at one another and sort of appear as fighting for number two. That's what I suspect they're going to do, but anywhere that they can create policy juxtapositions is important. Ukraine for Nikki Haley. That's a defining part where she has moral clarity and has staked her place, even if it may not be where she thinks the party is. I also think she made a point tonight that I hadn't heard her use before, the electability. She brought up that she beats Joe Biden head to head yeah. by 17 points. That would be my opening and closing message. Mm-hmm. Everything it wouldn't be true,
3: but watch. it would be... <laughs>
1: Listen, there are polls...
3: You could pick an outlier poll. I mean, she's three points ahead. DeSantis is doing a little less well. Uh, Trump is somewhere in the middle. She would, be a f- she would be a more... At this point, it appears that she would be a more formidable candidate because she's got a better appeal to Democrats and, uh, and independents. Look, DeSantis's whole message has been uh, to basically try and be an alternative to Trump. And he is the most popular Republican in the field other than Trump. The problem is Trump is occupying that territory. But to your question, Abby... They have no. They have to go after each other next week. It, it would be pecu- weird if they were on the same stage and didn't. And I think for Haley, uh, DeSantis called her a phony today, uh, and uh, and I think she's going to go after yeah. him on issues like Ukraine. And they're going to they're going to go if, at
7: him. it. Was almost a blink if and you might miss it. But next week it's going to be unavoidable. Everyone stand by.
5: We will defund sanctuary cities once and for all. No more safe havens for illegal immigrants. We'll put 25,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. That's not happening right now. We will go back to the Remain in Mexico policy so that no one even steps foot on U.S. soil. And instead of catch and release, we'll go to catch and deport. That's how we will close the border and get that to stop. That was Nikki Haley
7: outlining her plan to deal with immigration if she becomes president. David Axelrod,
3: a preemptive strike. Yes. Against well, that, was, that was the red meat. And then the spinach came, came after, yeah. uh, uh, where she talked about uh, the need for immigrants, that we, we need to reduce the amount of time it takes for legal immigrants to become citizens, and that uh, we need people who come to go to school college here and get educated here. We need them to stay and not send them back to their, uh, their countries to compete against us. Those were um, the more progressive side of her immigration program. But what was interesting to me was what was going on on social media while she was giving these answers. Jason Miller uh, of the Trump campaign uh, tweeted open borders nikki haley has spoken out against a border wall and has been critical of ending automatic birthright citizenship she also opposed president trump's plan to use drones and planes to secure the southern border nikki haley wants an open border which is consonant with the ad they started running Mm. in new hampshire today and you know obviously immigration is a strong issue for him but uh, just a little bit of history on Nikki Haley. When she started surging in South Carolina campaigns, uh, some really insidious things started circulating there: um, uh, pictures of her her father in a, in a turban, pictures of her in Indian dress, uh, pict- uh, stre- stressing her her birth name, which is is uh, an Indian name, and. Um, I, I think that this is more than just a candidate making a point about immigration. I think if if she surges sure. here, I, I'm going to be very I'm going to be looking to see what is going on in sort of the dark corners yeah. of our politics here because she is a immigrant's child and she is uh, an Indian American and she would be a historic candidacy in a party that frankly uh, is is not that receptive to diversity right yeah. now.
1: So I mean, could. They- is there already a dog whistle about oh, Nikki Haley happening? It's certainly there. I mean, some of the lower tier candidates like Vivek Ramaswamy have made it a point to call her Nimrodha, which is her birth name. But I'd note Nikki Haley is also on her birth certificate. She's gone by it. Her entire life but it's just to remind people she's not quite like you it's clearly a dog, dog whistle I mean- not a bullhorn but yes coming from an Indian man himself but what's also interesting is this Donald Trump was president for four years there were some what I would call Republican victories on the immigration front but he didn't secure the border what she laid out tonight was a comprehensive plan to actually secure the border deal with labor shortages in the country deal with the agriculture community that does need labor to come in and was talking about solutions not just simply the hashtag sloganism of build the wall, which Donald Trump did not do. It was actually very a very effective yeah. policy position.
7: It is interesting that this has been the, the kind of hill that the Trump campaign has decided to climb when it comes to Nikki Haley.
4: Well, they believe that the immigration issue is the most motivating issue still for Republican voters everywhere, but particularly in New Hampshire. And that's why they're running this ad that David referenced. They think it's going to put a lid on her momentum. I think aside from the policy issues, they they also perceive that this is a bit of a vibe check on immigration. Haley represents, when she talks about immigration, a lot of the way pre-Trump Republicans would talk about it. Yes, we have to secure the border, but also we have it's to very do.
7: George W. Bush.
4: And, yeah. and he and DeSantis and, and those who've come since represent the new vibe in the Republican Party, which is far harder line on securing the border, far less interested on immigration of any kind, illegal or legal. And so I think, <laughs> I think the 50,000-foot line... They want to draw here is she is one of the old school republicans that ultimately you just can't trust on immigration because they're too they're too corporate you know they're they're too soft on this and that's why in the ad they talk about no the word that's true. weakness and and i honestly I think this was more, a, this was I a do, big criticism I, of the grassroots of the of the old leadership of the party i think you lay it out exactly
3: as it is i do think there is this uh subtext to it though that is a little less about policy and more about the visceral strains of Republican politics it, right it,
0: now. It, it also suggests that something's happening. That she's that she is moving. Yeah. she mm-hmm. is surging. Trump hasn't been anywhere and done anything, done one spending money, on anything. But lawyers all of a sudden he's spending money on ads going after her on immigration. Yeah. he's trying to stop something.
7: In, in New Hampshire, especially, New Hampshire. is, is a something. particular problem for him.
0: Fly Over
4: Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Fly Over Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast.